Hello and welcome to another episode of Fan Fuel Motorsports Podcast. My name is Alan and I am joined by Colton Cranmore here today. And this is our 77th episode of the Fan Fuel Motorsports Podcast, where fans feel talk about motorsport. What is up, Colton? Well, same old shit, mostly. Battle in a cold this week. So I've just been staying at home, watching a lot of house hunters. Okay. Well, good HGTV relaxation. Um, yeah. I think we all do that. Um, is House Hunters your favorite of those shows? No. Um, no? I don't know that I do have a favorite one of those shows. Um, it's just good background noise TV. Okay. All right. I, I mean, I like, like Lakefront Bargain Hunt and stuff like that. We watch that just to pass the time by. Um, if you are listening to uh, the background, it's a little bit louder than I expected. Uh, this is our intro. I want to go ahead and thank uh, Terry Freer from my uh, iRacing group that we've got for Fan Fuel Motorsports. He and his band uh, made us an intro. You've heard it on our uh, podcast on audio versions on Spotify and Apple and wherever else you listen to us. But uh, I went ahead and made it as an intro and an outro today. So again, I want to thank him. Um, Now it's finally starting to get quiet, even though I told it to start getting quiet at 30 seconds. Um, But uh, yeah, so we're going to start off today with Wolfie Joe. But before that, um, I do want to say uh, something about Talladega in the general. Uh, I didn't get to Your, your volume so, cut out. Your, my volume uh, cut out? Your mic cut out, yeah. No! I heard that uh, I... And then that was it. I wonder what's going on. Um, well, let me see if I can get my microphone uh, a little bit closer. Sorry about that, people. Um, nope, now it's falling. Yeah, I didn't get to go to Talladega. First fall race I haven't been to since I think... 2012 I don't maybe I didn't go in 2014 but uh yeah I'm big sad didn't get to go to Talladega um this year at all uh to see the next gen cars so um sorry for my loss I was reminded of that I was taking a shower earlier today listening to music as you do when Sweet Home Alabama came on and a tear started falling from my eyes because I didn't get to hear him say that or play that over the loudspeaker uh, before the race but everybody that did go i hope you had fun of course we had the guys from Chairgate and, and some guys from left turn colt and our very own jared bakaiza head out there we'll talk about that a little bit later um let's just say they had a little too much fun and they're still in recovery today so good luck on that guys um but walker joke let's get into it uh first off 
Um, let's talk about what we showed at the beginning of the show, that TikTok from Kyle Bush. Do you think we should show it again? It's only 10 seconds. Yeah, it's 10 seconds. Fuck it. Yeah. Let's go ahead and show it again. It's cool when they do it. It's a problem when I do it. Fuck them. Fuck Birds of a all right, so Kyle Bush uh, put that on TikTok today. Luckily, Brent, uh, Vince Brent uh, put that on Twitter, so I saw it right before the show, and I was like, we've got to talk about that. Great way to open up uh, Wilker Joke today. Um, so it's cool when they do it, but not when I do it. It's basically what he's talking about is running in the Trucks and Xfinity series. So let's revisit that. Um, first of all, Wilker Joke on Kyle making this TikTok, and second of all, Woker joke on us not having big boys in the lower series. Uh, woke on Kyle making the TikTok. I think any drivers that are willing to do shit like that. Uh oh, it's looping. All right, told it not to loop. Technical difficulties. There we go. Uh-huh. Um, I think any drivers that um kind of partake in a lot of the social media trends are pretty fun. Um, I know the Penske drivers did that earlier this year with Austin Sendrick, Harrison Bird, and Joey Logano. They all made a fun little one. Um, I think that's super cool. Um, and then he's got a good fucking point is that no one bitches when Denny Hamlin runs his one race a year in Xfinity. Yeah. Or Austin Dillon or Cole Custer run any of these other rides. You know, um, Tyler Reddick, you know, anyone else. No one gives a shit about it. Only Kyle Busch because he's fucking good. So, Yeah. Yeah, I'm woke with it too. It, it it gave me a great laugh. Um, I think I have always um I've always been a Kyle Busch fan just because he drives for Joe Gibbs, or whatever. Even though he's going to the dark side, I, I support RCR through Tyler Reddick, anyways. But I don't I don't really <clears throat> like old Richard for uh, a few different reasons. Um, I love that people are finally getting into these drivers that they hate so much, you know, because it's like Kyle Busch, his personality has always been, you know, the whiny guy and, oh, he's a little bitch or whatever. But like, he's always been really funny, really humorous off the track. And he's always been a good dude off the track, but he's very, very serious when he's got that helmet on and right right after he takes it off. And it's the same thing for guys like Denny Hamlin, like, People love him on Twitter. People love Harvick on Twitter, but they hate these guys on track. I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. Um, uh, but I guess the golden standard is Mr. Uh, Vanilla Boy himself, Chase Elliott. So I, I don't know. I, and I, I do want to ask you this before we answer the second part of that question is, what is it about – Rick Hendrick and vanilla drivers. Because if you think about it, Jeff Gordon was mostly vanilla. Jimmy Johnson was mostly vanilla. And the biggest personality in the sport, Dale Jr., was mostly vanilla when he was behind the wheel of the 88 car. Um, same reason that Penske drivers are mostly vanilla for the most part. I mean, Penske's a little more has a little more flair than Hendrick drivers do. Um, but it's because of the opposite businesses that are attached to the companies. Like Rick Hendrick owns like 90 something Chevrolet dealerships. If Chase Elliott gets out and starts MF and this or that or the other thing, they're saying that there's a problem with Chevys, there's a problem with this car. Um, that looks bad on all of Rick's businesses at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. Same with Penske and his truck rental business and all of his nine zillion other fucking things he owns. Yeah. Um, I think that's mostly what to do with it. And that's why we see guys like James Finch um, when he was owning cars, like he would sign the Kurt Bushes and shit. 
um, yeah, yeah. the wild guys. Um, and even Joe Gibbs, I mean, Eminem's was footing the bill for Kyle to act the way he did at Gibbs. Um, other than that, they are for the most part pretty vanilla. Um, Denny's lucky he's got the backing from FedEx, so I think it just has more to do with money than anything. Yeah, well, I don't know what's going on with Mike, it's making a lot of different noises. I can hear the feedback, um, so I apologize for that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Um, and, and to your point about um, having, I guess, emotion when you come out of the car, I mean, look at the way that Joey Logano and Brian Blaney hold themselves. They have personality out of the car, but they don't they don't have a brunt personality. So I don't know. Maybe I, I think with Kyle Larson this week talking – this past week talking about Texas, uh, we might see something different from that. Um, that camp going forward because I know Chase has been on uh, on Twitter a lot lately, just growing his uh, his thing. But second part of that, uh, Kyle Bush TikTok is just drivers in general running Xfinity races. Um, they're not doing it as often, and I constantly hear that that era that they were they were big into it, where you had guys like Carl Edwards and Greg Biffle, Kyle. Uh, Kurt, Jamie McMurray, Denny Hamlin racing pretty much every week um, that the Xfinity regulars at that time loved it. So are you woke or joke now that we're, I guess, five years removed from having full-timers regularly in the lower two series? I think it's good to limit them. I don't want Kyle Busch out there every week running stuff um, because that's where I I do see the side of the fans that are saying, you know, the Bushwhacker – kind of era of NASCAR, the guys that, I don't know, really didn't like that. I mean, I didn't love it either because I saw the same guys race Saturday and Sunday. But I think there needs to be some sort of rotation to cup drivers in Xfinity um, constantly. Um, Same with even maybe Xfinity drivers in trucks. Um, I don't think you really – it would be that far of a stretch just to limit every driver to five races a season. Um, And then I don't know how you would mandate a cup driver in the field, but I would – highly encourage it um, just to kind of help even out the fields as far as the talent goes. Um, Because if you notice right after this rule was implemented, that's when the truck series started to get really nuts. Right. Yeah. Granted Xfinity series has grown into its own little thing and matured in its own way. And it's amazing. Um, But the truck series has aged kind of like milk. Um, And I think doing something like that, where you get some more veteran guys in there, who aren't running full-time points. Um, John Hunter is really good, but he's running full-time points. So he, like, he has to go out there and deal with their shit. Otherwise, he doesn't get paid. Right. So, yeah, um, so I, I was thinking about this earlier this week, and it's a, it's a good thing that Kyle put this TikTok up um, because it's, it's perfect for – I was thinking, you know, as you do when you're bored at work, I'm like, hey, what if we mandated that each manufacturer had a star car? in both series and except for dash for cash triple truck challenge and playoff races a cup regular was driving that car how do you feel about that i don't know how you would mandate it because you can't you wouldn't be able to mandate the drivers into doing it um i think you could easily mandate the manufacturers into saying hey this one has to be filled by not a fucking rookie or someone with cup experience. Right. I don't know how you mandate Eric Almarola to go down and run an Xfinity race. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it's in your contract, thing. like, you know, just say, you know, 
Um, or what NASCAR could do is just foot a bill and just say, right. here, 20 grand for whoever drives this car this week. Well, there's 25 it. races for Xfinity. There's, well, I take that back, 30, 35 minus 7, not minus 10. So there's 28 races for Xfinity. Um, so at, at the max of three three races per driver, I mean. I think it's possible you would need some sort of monetary reward for it. I think you would need to say it's 20 grand for a race. And that's just your base salary, whatever, wherever you finish, you obviously get winnings and stuff too. Right. Yeah. I think that would be, I think that would, I would think, I think having three cup regulars in, in, in the race each week would give people a way to learn how to be better race car drivers. Yeah. That's, well, I think two of them. Yeah. That, that, that's, that's just what I was thinking about. We got plenty of Wilker joke today to talk about though. Um, first <laughs> off, let's start across the pond. Um, with a bunch of what I feel like um, is very interesting, um, it, a bunch of tweets I've seen in the past few days that Lewis Hamilton is going to be disqualified from the World Drivers Championship points based on the fact that he's wearing a nose ring each week. That's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, so, is it woke or joke? Like, I. Do not think that that's a real punishment. If that's what you're asking, so so would you say that it's joke that it's a it's a rumor or? Oh no! So here's so apparently this last it's Singapore. Um, he was fined for wearing a nose ring during qualifying for or during qualifying day, um, and there's a form saying that they cannot wear any sort of jewelry. Right. Um, for race events. Um, I don't think the, the one that I saw, the tweet that I saw, which I think you're referring to is that he was disqualified from the um, world championship for it. Right. Which is bullshit. <laughs> which is a joke. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that's pretty easily a joke for me. I think it's interesting that you can't wear a nose ring. Um, which is interesting. Like in your media. I, I don't, I don't get it. Um, that's a part of his brand. Um, he's always wearing jewelry. Um, whether whether or not a nose ring is safe in in the car is, I guess, subjective. But um, if that tweet that I saw was true and not a rumor, that's a complete joke. And the FIA, um, dare I say, it should be shut down um, mm. because if you're gonna get if you're gonna get disqualified from a championship because you have a piece of jewelry on, that's pretty messed up. Um, we'll come back over here. Uh, I got a bunch of different tweets and um, a bunch of different news to go over today. Um, first off, uh, one of uh, one of the guys that is good friends with Nathan um, uh, Emil uh, back on Twitter says that he didn't even know Xfinity was racing this weekend, uh, commenting on Bob's tweet about next year's schedule um, where there would not be a fall race for um, Xfinity at Talladega. Um, so Woker joked that he didn't know that we'd been racing here for three years in a row. Uh, I'm going to say woke because I didn't realize it either because I went to fall in 2019 and there were no Xfinity cars. Yeah. So it has to have been 2020. Yeah. yeah. Last three seasons, which I mean, that was news to me. I didn't even really notice it until I guess you said some, I mean, I yeah. guess I kind of would have figured it out with Brandon Brown's win last year, but yeah. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm with Emil. It didn't hit me. I'm gonna go with joke, um, based on the fact that um, 
now two people have said that they didn't know. Um, I think that's a joke on Talladega and NASCAR because obviously uh, they didn't promote this shit. And even though I thought it was cool to see Xfinity at, at Faldega, um, nobody else knew that it was happening apparently. So uh, I'm going to go joke just on the fact that people didn't know that we had a race for three years running. Uh, moving on, though, um, another thing that was said on Twitter um, was me basically complaining the whole time after that um, hemorrhage caution at the end of the race that it shouldn't have happened and all that stuff. So I'm going to put myself on the floor. Woker joke for my comments around the Daniel hemorrhage caution. Joke. That's a safety issue. <sighs> so um, I'm going to say joke and call myself uh, out throw myself under the bus, but I am going to provide excuse after excuse. Um, I was not watching the race. I was listening to it on MRN, and I was watching the aerial, uh, not the aerial cam, uh, but one of the cameras um, that was provided um, to where you could watch the race uh, commercial-free. I was not watching a broadcast. There were no replays. It was just that singular camera being broadcasted. And when I saw Daniel Hemrick's car for the split second that it was on there, it looked like he was still in a concrete pit box. So I was pissed off because there was no reason for them to throw a caution for him to be there. And I said, and I quote, why could they not have just waited and moved that car back because you have 54 seconds from the pack going around to get it back on pit, um, in a safe area pit road and to the garage? At the moment, I thought I was right. I was not right. I was wrong. <laughs> I was very, very wrong. Um, Nathan uh, on Twitter, not our Nathan, um, put up some some screenshots of three or four different cars hitting that spot on the wall where he was parked. So if something would have happened, NASCAR would have been in a bad spot. Uh, two drivers possibly could have been seriously injured or killed, and uh, I – made myself look like a clown on Twitter. So I apologize to all my fans and all my sponsors. <clears throat> um, we don't have those, but anyways. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping along with, with uh, interesting stuff on Twitter, let's talk about um, let's talk about some other stuff that happened. And we'll talk about, without naming these next two people, um, Toyota has lost a ton of talent. Uh, and this list can contains guys like Kyle Busch, Chandler Smith, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, Joey Logano, Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Furniture Row Racing, Brandon Jones, Noah Gregson, Rafael Lassard, Haley Zegan, KBM, and Matt Benedetto. So um, this has turned into a trend and sort of a meme on Twitter today. Um, so Toyota has lost a ton of talent over the past few years. Woker Joe. I am going to say woke. Oh, okay. Get me out of here. So Toyota has a huge driver development program in the U.S. Um, I would assume they are spending tons of money in that, but also getting tons of money and kickbacks from NASCAR for that. I would have to assume, and all the race teams involved with it. Um, I think that they know exactly what they're doing, and they are handpicking every single driver that drives in Cup Series for them. Um, Nate pointed out on Twitter, like, no matter what, Toyota will always have the best drivers um, that they can grab in their stable. Um, obviously, they lost Kyle Busch, but they seem to be pretty damn confident that there's something other, something else down the line that they can do uh, 
um, right. being Ty Gibbs or, um, <clears throat> you know, who knows. Who Tyler Reddick, man. I mean, I mean, Tyler Reddick is getting brought over. Um, I think they know exactly what they're doing in the fact that of, like, let's get as many as we can, as many really good drivers as we can, and we'll start funneling them down. And then every year or two, we'll just spit a couple of them out because we they don't have what we're looking for, right? Or they're not cut from the same cloth. Like a Noah Gregson's a great example. Um, they gave up Noah Gregson because he wouldn't fit in a Toyota stable. There's no goddamn way, you know. Um, I think they know exactly what they're doing. It really sucks that cup teams like JGR and uh, Denny Hamlin's team won't get a pick at these guys unless they try to switch them back over from a manufacturer. Um, but, I mean, it is. Yeah. I'm going to have to go joke. Um, just based on this list alone, um, I I don't think I don't think Toyota um, has lost a ton of talent. I, I I guess that what I'm trying to say is that Toy like you said, Toyota knows what they're doing, right? However, um, let's look at everything that we've got here. So first off, let's get let's let's scrape the bottom of the barrel. Um, Matt DiBenedetto is not a loss at all. I'm sorry, no. he's won one race technically this last I mean, weekend. Well, yeah, in uh, ten years in, of NASCAR, in ten years of NASCAR in the top three series, he threw away multiple races in Cup and one race in Xfinity, uh, really bad at Road America. Um, Haley Deegan. Um, is too early to tell. It's in my opinion not a loss of talent, but it is a loss of marketing talent. Big um, yeah, I don't think driving but, talent. Yeah, um, Rafael Lassard. Um, I love the fact that we've got other series uh, from international NASCAR coming in with him um, coming from Pinty's. Not really someone who I think that they're losing very much. He doesn't race enough to me to me um he to to for them to to be a big loss noah gregson um noah gregson developed into a loss but like you said he wasn't gonna fit at toyota um brandon jones brandon jones is losing daddy's money like brandon jones can go out there he's he is the he's the elliot sadler of Xfinity now because Elliot Sadler bounced around when he went down to Xfinity and won a couple races for every organization that he went to. That's all they're losing is a couple races a year over two years. See, I think, I think Brandon Jones has really developed this year. Um, we've seen him be a lot more. I don't, I'm not still saying, I'm not saying by any means that it's a loss of talent to the Toyota stable, but I will go in and defend Brandon Jones of a year ago. I was calling for his um, ride to be lost and now he's actually yeah. fucking competitive. And he, he's going to go directly into most likely, um, knock on wood, the championship winning car next year. Um, right. Uh, so that that that's good. Furniture Row Racing, um, Toyota didn't lose talent there. Toyota didn't lose anything. Toyota funded a new team for Martin Truex Jr., and I'll get into that uh, here in a second. Daniel Suarez, um, Toyota yeah. rushed him to cup. Yeah. I will say that they lost the talent there, but not a championship caliber talent. Right. Um, they lost the middle of the pack guy, Eric Jones. I think they fumbled the ball with Eric Jones in the same way they did with uh, Daniel Suarez. But again, I don't think 
that he was a championship caliber talent that they lost. I think yeah, the I, only people, the only person that they lost until this year with Kyle Bush was Joe Legato. That's the only talent they lost. And hear me out because we knew we knew Joe Legato was going to be the next best thing. We saw it. We knew it. They preached it. They got rid of him too soon because he wasn't doing anything. All these other guys, Carl Edwards, Matt Kenseth, um, Kyle Bush, even, and and Martin Trucks Jr. What do these guys have in common? They're fucking old. These they came over as massive talents from other manufacturers because JGR recruited them. So if anything, JGR is the people stealing talent rather than right. using it. So that's why I think that this is a joke. I would argue with you that uh, Eric Jones is a championship level talent, but that's we can save that one for an off season episode. Okay. Yeah. We can, we can do that. Um, I, I'll note it. Okay. Definitely. That, that's just where I'm at with this. Um, well, I think that's it for that one. I really wish that one of our other hosts would come on, but since we're not. Uh, 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 you Listen, it's it's a lot more easy. It's a lot easier for me to bounce off of multiple people to keep the keep the flow of the no, show going I, than two. I agree. And- um, but everybody's busy. Jared is either dead or at work. Um, or still at Talladega. He, yeah, or he's still at Talladega trying to get back to Pennsylvania. Um, med school is taking our boy Nathan. Poor guy. Uh, and then, um. Not gonna get mad at that, and I'm also not gonna get mad at uh <clears throat> Keith. I'm trying to scroll up because I want to make sure that I say this right because I don't know anything about anything. Um, Yom Kippur, that's how you say it. Uh, it's so. a Jewish, Jewish holiday, and yeah. I'm not, I didn't research it before the show, but uh, Keith is celebrating that with his um significant other family and i think that is beautiful that he is missing us for family time i'll never get mad at that um but uh fuck work fuck med school why do they have to get in the way this podcast is more important i'm not mad at kevin uh kevin like i'm not mad at uh nathan or or jared i'm just mad at their situation uh yeah so continuing on um i i said kevin because next point kevin harvick he gets penalized. Um, firstly, uh, rear deck lid has been manipulated. Um, and I'm not going to say Welker joke to the penalty. He's been penalized 100 points. Um, he's not in the playoffs anymore. So worst he can finish his 16th, it's going to not move him very much, I'm sure, in this final 10 races. Uh, and that what I am going to talk about is a reply to uh, Bob's tweet about the deck lid. Uh, this person says NASCAR targeted him because he spoke up in air quotes. No, they didn't. NASCAR fans love conspiracies. And for woke or joke purposes, don't cheat. You won't get caught. Don't cheat. You won't get caught. Woke or joke. Are we doing woke or joke on just that last bit of the statement? Just that last bit. Don't cheat and you won't get caught. Well, I mean, no shit, Sherlock. What's the fun in that? Right. Like, no. Yeah, I mean, that's like saying, well, don't walk outside when it's wet and your floors won't get dirty. Yeah, but it's fucking raining outside. Like, Yeah, and you got shit to do. 
Right. Like, we got races to win here. We can't just be piddling around in the rule book all the fucking time. Like, so this is a mentality that I've seen a lot this year. After Denny's penalty <laughs> and Kyle's penalty at Pocono, after the uh, other L1 penalty that we saw hit the uh, RFK guys in the 16, uh, don't cheat and you won't get caught. Is this mentality just coming from – I mean, first of all, obviously it's a joke. Is this mentality just coming from the supplier parts not being um, manipulated, being such a big rule? Or or what? Because I, I don't know. Like NASCAR, if you're not cheating, you're not trying. The phrase don't cheat and you won't get caught comes from people who have never worked on a race car and never been around a race car in their entire lives. Um, okay. Or people who worked in a race car that ran last in a hobby stock feature every single week. Um, I'm sorry, <laughs> but like every competitive race car has something illegal with it. Um, that's why they make the rules. It's not like football rules the game. You can't go out of bounds and such. Um, they make the rules to try to limit the teams, and there are so many gray areas even today. Like, find find a gray area in an NFL rulebook for me, right? And you know they're applying that same mentality over to NASCAR. You know, yeah. If, if thirty nine other teams are cheating and doing this thing, why why shouldn't I try it? Right. And uh, I was talking to Myra about it earlier today, and she was like, "Well, who the fuck is Jimmy Johnson in this world?" Right. Uh, uh, he and Chad Canals admittedly showed up with 10 to 15 things illegal on their car race after race, especially in the chase. Um, and would hope to only get caught for three to five of them. Right. Um, if you're not cheating, you're not trying, you're not winning races. You're not winning championships. Like well, that mentality is, it just needs to stay in a black and white rule book sport. And that's not what we are as I guess, uh, engineers playground in motorsports. This tells me that there's a lot of other teams probably doing this if Kevin Harvick's team got caught with it. Right. This is um, the third, third car this year. If you're an SHR, are you taking this risk and implementing it during the race if you haven't brought it to testing, if you haven't um, developed it in the sim, if you haven't ran all the fucking tests on it, are you even trying to bring it to the track? Because it's not like it was in 2004 where you just go on, tweak shit a little bit in the garage and call it good. Yeah. Um, you know, they've, they developed this, and they just so happen to get caught with their number one driver. Um, it sucks. I'm sure they ran it on Cole Custer's car or Eric Amarola or Chase Briscoe's before they ever tried this, you know, especially with Harvick being in the playoff hunt. I'm sure they've tested it somewhere in some form under NASCAR's nose. Yeah. Um, a bunch of people are saying that it's, it's a big conspiracy that, um, he's been, uh, I've at the RD center all these different weeks between, uh, Darlington and stuff. And I want to shout out Cody Powers for uh, talking in a group test text about this or group uh, chat on Twitter with all the other uh, guys from like Chairgate and then uh, in between media and all that stuff. He said um, that he looked into it after seeing people tweet about it and that four cars only been to the R and D center three times this year. Um, and, it looks like this was the first time in the playoffs. So um, I want to thank him for calling out people for being stupid. I, that was going to be the Walker joke for this, but I changed it up after I saw that. Um, Who's been? I don't. It, this is this. Okay. So this is the thing. Each one of these penalties <coughs> happened based on manipulation of a body panel. It was the rear deck lid. The rear diffuser, I believe, on the six car that they fixed and put back on the car. Um, and then, of course, 
on the 18 and 11 at Pocono, the little bitty piece of tape under the wrap. So I don't know if teams are are men or are manipulating all these underbody parts with suspension and engine and stuff. Well, obviously the engines aren't um, aren't customer source, uh, but you know I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if they're manipulating shocks, springs, truck arms, uh, the transaxle stuff like that. I think that's. I mean, I think you've got a fair point. I think that's a lot of the reason we've seen speeds pick up. Um, unless failures out of a lot of these teams as we go later into the year. Obviously, Texas and Bristol are kind of outliers there. Yeah. Um, but as um, far as you look at what we were running at <clears throat> Texas in the All-Star race versus when we came back, um, I mean, temps were actually hotter in the fall. Um, so you can't blame it on more grip or anything. It's just these teams figuring out ways to get around stuff and yeah. setting up the cars too. Um, that does um, play a part in it. And this is something that, that we talked about in the uh, – and a thing too, and, and I brought up this point. I was like, we are putting so much pressure on these last 10 races. I don't think that we see most of this stuff happen in a full season playoff or a full season uh, championship. I've been out talking about the playoffs. So I'm not going to go down that road again, but I feel like we didn't see any of these concerns for the cars on a weekly basis failures on a weekly basis since Richmond. And that was two races before the playoffs. So, um, I mean, just based on, just based on that, I think you're right. I think that cars are being pushed to the limit now because the pressure is on the teams and that's why we're seeing failures. That's why these parts are, you know, cheap or whatever. And happy, happy, uh, cheap parts and cheap tires are, are being sold on t-shirts, you know, and, I get why the drivers and the teams are mad, but you know, that's what happens. This is playoff time. Like, go for broke. And if you get broke, then you know, suck it up. Yeah. <clears throat> Moving on, though, uh, with all of that stuff, we got a bunch of moves going on. Um, so I'll start with probably the lowest of the three announcements um that we saw in the last couple of days, ending on the highest. Um, first of all, that's going to be Xfinity starts starting at Vegas in the 07 car for Haley Deegan. Um, this is the announcement. The Walker joke aspect of this one is going to be people saying that she doesn't have enough talent to be in the Xfinity series. Walker joke. Uh, I'm going to say joke because I don't feel like the trucks are a really good gauge of talent at all. Um, let alone comparative to Xfinity or cup talent. Um, <clears throat> I think you can get an idea with the truck series um, just by using lap times and stuff. You can't look at stats of the truck series and decide whether or not someone's going to be a good driver. Um, John Hunter Nemechek could, I'm confident, whoop ass every single week in the Xfinity series um, and be an A.J. Allmendinger and Noah Gregson level talent. But you wouldn't see that if you looked at his truck stats these last couple of years. Because the truck series is such a shit show. Um, So I think this Xfinity start is going to be her gauge of talent. Because we know what that 07 car can do. Um, Granted, funding when cup drivers come down is a little bit different. Um, But we know kind of what to expect from that car when we see someone fill in. Yeah. Well, I I don't understand, first of all, why people are mad that a bigger name is going higher in the sport. And whether you like it or not, Haley Deegan is a money-making – I guess a money printing person just because she's a female. 
just because she's Brian Deegan's daughter. Um, and when it comes to racing, especially in the era that we're in now, money, um, money talks, bullshit walks. Um, that's why you see guys like Josh Berry and Ryan Priest who are massively talented drivers not getting shots because they don't, they don't have the money behind them. Um, she's won races in the K&N series. Um, she hasn't done anything in trucks, but you said it earlier. Noah Gregson didn't really show up in trucks. Harrison Burton really didn't show up in trucks. Um, I, I don't, I don't know who else I could think um, that didn't really uh, do that well in trucks. Todd Gilliland. Todd Gilliland. Um, I'd even say Ryan Blaney. He only had what two truck wins. If Ryan Blaney, um, Cindric. I mean, yeah, Daniel all these guys. Goes on trucks. But. Trucks used to be a spot where you could learn a lot. It used to be learning how to drive with a cup level talent. B live pit stops, see big racetracks. But now, like you said, Colton, it's turned into a shit show. Um, honestly, they need to re revamp this truck series because it's becoming pointless. It's not their best series in, in, in the stable like it used to be. That's obviously moved up to the Xfinity series. Um, and drivers aren't learning anything. And because they're not learning anything, they're wrecking a lot. And when they're wrecking a lot, they're learning even less. And, and you can't bad gauge talent. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, you can't. As a driver, you can't develop, and as as a scout, uh, as, as a fan, as as a, a team owner, you can't look at people and, and judge, you know, whether or not they're actually good or not. It's it's so situational. Um, yeah, that, I that think it's, just, it's a crapshoot. I've said for a couple of years, and I know I've said it on here and on I think on Twitter as well, but like the truck series and the Xfinity series could both be their own like magical series. Um, just on their own without companion races for the cup series, if they weren't run like major league baseball teams. Yeah. And uh, we'll get to yeah. one of your points about that a little bit later um, in, in the, uh, in the show. Uh, I've got a question I want to ask you uh, about the trucks when we get to the truck race. Um, so I'll save that for later, but let's move on to the next um, kind of installment. Um, because of our third Wilker joke of this section, um, Chandler Smith is moving up full-time to Xfinity. He is moving from Toyota to Chevy. Um, and, um, I guess just the fact that he's moving up, woke or joke? Uh, woke. I mean, I think Chandler could be a decent race car driver, especially hopping in there with a colleague that has championship level equipment. Um, you know, I mean, I think it'll be a great match. I think it's going to take him a year or two in Xfinity to even be really consistently competitive, but I think he could definitely go out and maybe swipe a win next year. Yeah. I'm going to go woke um, for Chandler Smith because he's going to have a pathway to cup at Colleg. Um And what he's also going to get at Colleg is Matt, uh, Matt Colleg and, and Doug Rice who are, excuse me, Chris Rice. Um, who are two just champion people when it comes to cheerleaders. Um, they are they are two guys that will push a driver up in an uplifting way and get the best out of them. Um, they've done that with Justin Haley. They've done that with AJ, um, and 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 they are a winning team. And they are they are probably going to be the second best team in Xfinity for the next few seasons um, because the likes of RCR and JGR are falling off so, so much. 
Um, and you're getting in a championship contending car in Xfinity. Uh, I, it's, it's good for him. Uh, he's going to have AJ to lean on. He's going to have Justin Haley to lean on. Um, and Justin Haley is the super speedway guru. So he can probably guarantee himself two to three wins in the next two years at Talladega, at Atlanta, at uh, <clears throat> Daytona. So I think it's a great move overall. Um, and then as far as him leaving Toyota, it, it's even better for him because who's going to be there for him at Toyota now that Kyle Busch is gone? Nobody. Right. He can still maintain that relationship with Kyle Busch because Kyle Busch is now a Chevy driver. It's just a woke all right, right. Chandler Smith. And I'm glad we're going to have another guy that's really competitive being able to develop in a really competitive car. Um, next up is – the move that made that happen was AJ Allmendinger is going to run the 16 car full time in Cup. Um, just woke or joke on the move. Woke. AJ is, I mean, a former Cup full time Cup driver. Um, he jumped into that Xfinity Series organization and they started knocking off wins pretty quick. I think he's going to do the same thing for Cup. It's good to have a veteran driver hop in and try to evaluate a program. Um, we knew they were running two full-time cars um, at the start of this year. We knew that, and there were rumors that AJ could do full-time in it. Um, so I'm glad that they are going to put him up to see now, okay, we can grab this program. We can um, <clears throat> make the necessary adjustments with, you know, kind of AJ's guidance of what we need to do to be a winning team in Cup. Um, so, yeah, I just looked it up. Um AJ is going to be 40 this year. Mm-hmm. So I have to go woke as well. AJ Allmendinger in his prime in cup. I was so pissed off that he wasn't going full time in this, this next gen car this year. I'm super excited. Um, I sorry, I'm sorry to cut you off. <laughs> but well, I just looked it up and I, 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 I'm really excited. I love AJ Allmendinger. Um, he's, he's one of those guys that is just very comical uh, off the uh, off the uh, uh, cuff, I guess. I don't know. I, I was gonna try and use a mannerism, and I couldn't figure it out. Uh, he's kind of, uh, yeah, off the cuff. He, he says what he wants, um, and he's just really fun. So not only that, he's really talented. He's he's been back and forth as being a controversial driver with the drug stuff, going to IndyCar, coming back to to NASCAR. Um, he is someone that we need in cup. Um, and he can make Matt Colleague even richer and have a little bit more trophies when it comes to Cup as well. Yeah. And that 31 car has been fast these last three weeks too. So if you're not excited about having two competitive cars with Colleague racing next year, um, yeah, AJ and AJ Jr. are going to bring the heat. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything else to add? Um, no, I mean, you pretty much hit it. I mean, I think yeah. it's just a good move all around. Yeah. So uh, we've been teasing a little bit, um, and that was that our very own Jared Bacaisa was at Talladega this week. Uh, learned he is a – or the, I should say, winner of Corla Joey's Penny Stacker of the Week. And I've got to show you this picture, and we'll go Woker Joke. Uh, he tweeted – uh, and he told us that he met Carla Joey this weekend at Talladega. Uh, Woker joke that he met Corey Joey this weekend at Talladega. Uh, 
you know, super woke because, in all honesty, sober Colton, at a quick glance, thought this was Corey LaJoy. Like, the first yeah. three or four times I saw this, I saw it in our group chat, and I saw it on Twitter. I was like, yeah, cool, you fucking, you met Corey LaJoy on the boulevard. Like, that's awesome, man. And then I read into it, and it is not Corey LaJoy. So I definitely see how, however many beers deep Jared could mistake that for Corey LaJoy long enough to take a picture of him. Absolutely get it. 100% woke. Yeah, this was um, <laughs> really funny to me. I think it's a woke. Um, he he got recognition from Corey both on Twitter and on his podcast, which I think is, is really cool. Uh, getting that fan fuel name somewhere else. Always a bonus. Um, like this looks like what Corey LaJoy would wear to go out and disguise on and party in Talladega Bowl. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you're telling me that's not Corey LaJoy. Yeah, and, you're and, telling and me really, he doesn't put on a fake fucking beard and a wig to go party in a and right. a Myrtle Beach Merman jersey. Yeah, right. Like he, this guy looks like how I feel like Corey LaJoy looks like. In real life, you know, without the prettiness that the camera gives you, like, yeah, if with the quality of this photograph, that could easily be, uh, yeah, it could easily that's, be Corey LaJoy. I that's mean, Corey LaJoy's cousin, uh, yeah, you know, fucking Connor. I don't know, shit. Connor, Connor LaJoy, yeah. Um, but no, it, it was had to be fun on the boulevard for Jared and the, and the other guys that went with him. Like, uh, if I were that dude, I would try to do autograph signings as Corey LaJoy. Yeah, I, he probably would do it. Um, and I mean, yeah, that that's that's hilarious. I mean, he's got the same long hair, same. Yeah. Length he looks of like beard. a Corey LaJoy Halloween costume. Yeah, if I'm Corey LaJoy, I'm finding this guy and having him be a stand-in for him to do stuff like that. Because if he's as tall right. as Corey too, like shit, don't even go to media stuff at the Team Chevy trailer. Just fucking send yeah. this guy. Send this guy. He'll bring back the spark notes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, Jared also got to meet – we don't have any more pictures other than this one. He also got to meet Denny Hamlin. Uh, I straight up just said, that's cool, fuck you. Um, because, obviously, I'm a massive Denny Hamlin fan. I'm sure Nathan wasn't too happy. Uh, but Denny Hamlin is a really good dude. Uh, cool that he stopped a Kyle Busch guy uh, with Kyle Busch merch on uh, and took a picture with him. Uh, and – Hell yeah, Jared! Just his facial expression—you can tell he's he's had a few. He's having fun, yeah. and he got to see the the best NASCAR driver in the garage, personality-wise. Um, he also uh, stirred up the pot in our group chat by showing probably five or six different pictures of people with "fuck Kyle Busch" shirts on. Um, Kyle Busch is a douchebag, yeah. stuff like that. While he's up wearing golf. his Kyle Busch coat and hat. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. then this guy is out here like, they're getting all mad. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. uh, so shout out to Dalton for getting mad at his 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 friend Jared going around. I mean, um, your dad's got a point. Jared is a is a uh, um, <clears throat> the fuck does he do? Graphic designer. Well, yeah, he does a lot of stuff in Photoshop, but come on, I mean that. You're telling me that's not Danny Hamlin? No, I'm telling you it is Danny Hamlin, but I'm saying it could be photoshopped in there. He could have taken a pic. Okay, so that one's – the Corey LaJoy one's definitely fucking real. There's no yeah. way that one's – Yeah, but this one looks polished. I see what you're saying. I don't maybe think – Maybe just, he was like two beers in on this one, and that's why the quality's better, and he's not – Yeah, because he's not shaking. And this is about shit. five beers in. <laughs> I don't know. All right, and uh, one last thing: hats off to the to the to the full brim hat. That shit is a must-have. 
at Talladega because there's no shade at that racetrack at all. Um, anyways, that was our last Walker joke. So uh, I guess uh, we've got the uh, nightly bathroom break for uh, for Colton. So uh, I'll I'll continue talking. I'll let him him run off. Um, uh, I do want to take I guess this moment uh, to be a little bit somber um, before we get into this weekend stuff. Um, while Colton is away, I do want to bring up some recognition um, for the uh, the dirt world in general, but also for myself, um, and more importantly, my dad. My dad um, has had a rough year um, this year. Um, he's lost two racing buddies in what feels like the last couple of weeks. I know it's been a while since his friend Eddie passed, but uh, we uh, lost well, one of the most iconic voices in the dirt world. Um, this weekend, um, Rick Eshelman, uh, the voice of the world about Oz late model series. Um, and, um, I just wanted to say, you probably seen our stuff on Twitter and Facebook. Um, but, uh, it was not a good weekend for me. Um, I've known Rick since 2002 when my dad met Rick, um, working at East Alabama Motor Speedway. Um, I think my dad met him earlier that year at um eldora uh and um he's been a part of our lives since uh more so my dad but uh i grew up around rick uh seeing him once or twice a year since 2002 i'm 27 it's 2022 so i was seven years old um so i've known him pretty much most of my life and um i even got to do something really cool um and uh and I can't remember what year it was, but at Cleveland Speedway one night, the outlaws were up there. My dad was on the flag stand, um, and Rick let me sit in the booth with him and commentate um, the races um, when the outlaws weren't on, when it was local stuff. I got to commentate races. I was probably 12, 13, 14 years old, um, so um, – Rick was a big part of our lives, um, and, you know, we had him on a couple of months ago uh, after he got announced that he was going to the uh, Dirt Lake Model uh, Hall of Fame, and um, we had a bunch of laughs there, told a bunch of stories, um, and shared some great memories with him. Um, please go back and watch that. If you didn't know Rick, um, that's a good place to start to get to know Rick. Um, he was a great man. Um, and we didn't, and you can also go, uh, he had some video series on YouTube and stuff where, uh, he did interviews on his little flip phone. That's a bit that's in there that, uh, we talked about him with, with him. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this weekend was kind of sucky. Um, so we lost him. I do want to, I do want to say, um, it is very, it is public that, uh, he took his own life, um, the U.S. government did something uh, this past year and changed the suicide hotline to 988. Um, that is a number that, please, if you um, are in any sort of pain, remember 988. Call that number. Um, suicide hurts a lot of people, probably more than you think that you're hurting. Um, and I know that might seem... Um, that might seem kind of shallow for me to say. Um, 
about something like this, but um, having been someone who's thought about it, um, who's been in that place, um, I'm glad uh, that I'm not somebody that I had to put this on my other family members and stuff. Um, this is a third person and, and it's many years that I've been connected to that have taken their own life and please get help. Um, please call somebody. Um, you have people in your corner. You may not know that you do, but they're there. Um, my inbox is always open on Twitter. Um, if you need somebody to talk to late at night, I work at night. Um, talk to me. We can get on the phone call, whatever. Call 988. Um, the world is better with you in it. So um, please just Just know that there are people that love you, um, and uh, yeah. Um, with that being said, um, I'll welcome Colton back, and uh, we'll get into some Talladega racing. Um, yeah. Uh, sorry about that, making it a little bit somber, but it's stuff that needed to be said. Um, again, I wanted to, I want to apologize for people in Rick's life who lost him, um, but. Uh, God, um, yeah, he was a great man. Please check out anything you can about him. Listen to his voice on all replays of World of Outlaws stuff. Um, he truly was a gem of the sport, um, and he will be missed. Um, but back to Talladega. Um, three races. Let's start with Talladega and uh, the Truck Series. So, <clears throat> First off, let's talk about uh, Matt DiBenedetto. Um, he won. It took him 10 years. Um, how did this win make you feel? Uh, I mean, I don't think he's any better of a driver. I still don't think he has much talent. Um, I think he has talent enough to be consistent or to be like a, like a J.J. Yaley or Reed Sorensen, right, hold a steering wheel and put a car – across the finish line, but I don't think he's, you know, a continuous race winner. Um, I mean, I think it's cool that he finally got one. I think it's definitely overdue. Um, but, I mean, I didn't feel either way about it. It would have been the same yeah. as if, like, Matt Crafton won, you know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, a bunch of people are going to validate that he needs to be in the Cup Series based off of this. Um Dude had so many chances. Um, I right. feel like, yeah, at some point, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's cool that he got a win, but like, it took him so long. Like I said earlier, he threw away so many races, four or five in Cup Series. I know he threw two away in, uh, um, in Xfinity. Yeah, like, I mean, the guy really never did anything. He lucked into the rides that he was in. Um, and you know, hand, you know, hands down, good for him that he got to drive in the cup series. That's a really hard thing to do, but, um, this is not the years of old where you can be Michael Waltrip and lose 500 and, or 432 races before your first win and still take a cup car out each weekend. Um, so, I mean, I'm glad that he's, he's got a win that should make him feel better. Um, he's not that great. I mean, he is he is to the truck series what um 
I was gonna say Big J McLeod is, but honestly, I think BJ McLeod's a better race car driver. <laughs> uh, so um and and that's not to make light of BJ McLeod because of what he's done prior to being in the cup series. I mean he's a great late model driver. Um I don't even think that Matt's got that going for him. Right. <clears throat> he's doing he's doing as well as we would do living our dream of being a race car driver. Yeah. I right. think I think I think he's just some regular dude that got lucky. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, other stuff um, coming in. Um, not really much happened. Um, the only big thing that happened was Jordan Anderson. Um, he yeah. seems to be doing fine. He had second degree burns over most of his body. But let's talk about this crash. Um, I guess first of all, dude climbed out of a moving vehicle. And I think that's badass. What are your thoughts on the crash? Um, I mean, fire's hot. You're yeah. going to have to – at some point, you're going to decide the risks. And for Jordan, that was that point of, all right, fuck it, I'm getting out. Regardless, of, I think even if he would have hopped out on the side like that and seen that he was head straight down the backstretch, I think I, you still would have seen him bail after the truck scrubbed off just a little more speed. Yeah. Um, whether it's still moving or not or if he could have landed in grass, I mean – I definitely think he was at that point. I don't know where it was coming in, um, but I mean, obviously he he hit that um, that point in his mind, and he's lucky he didn't hit that wall any faster. Yeah, um, because holy shit, that was scary. And then you could yeah. tell the exact moment where the adrenaline kind of started to wear off when he was running along the safer barriers, and you see him kind of like settle down and kind of almost go ah shit, and then lay down. You know, so you can yeah. see that reaction there. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the adrenaline thing. Um, what he did was was really badass, um, and and honestly, like you said, scary for us because coming in into that safer barrier like that, he could have been crushed. I right. Mean, yeah, we see and, it. And he would be he would be you know either legless at best, paralyzed at best, um, like that's at worst dead. Like yeah, that. In, in in the in the you know moment it's probably fight or flight and he 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 got the burst of adrenaline he needed and he did the flight stuff yeah but centimeter more um closer to that wall at any given point in the sequence that he comes out he's yeah. he's this is he's, the he same could, i mean he could have been torn in half honestly if he was still halfway a- in that car Another like Roman Grosjean scenario where like just yeah. the circumstances around the wreck were perfect that, you know, it's almost like the impact to help him get out of the truck a little quicker. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I mean, I mean, we could play what if, but like, holy shit, like, like I said, yeah. we could see that impact coming, whereas yeah. he couldn't. And I'm sure had yeah. he been able to see, hey, the wall's 100 feet right there, he probably wouldn't have hopped out yeah. like that. I, I, honestly, it might be good that he didn't because he could have suffered even more burning. Um, it yeah, is tremendous. He was tremendously lucky to not have third degree burns anywhere. Yeah. The fact that he got second degree burns. Yeah. Second degree burns fucking suck, but you don't need skin grafting. Uh, and you're not going to be out of the truck. Up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you guys can see my face. I got second degree burns um, on my face from sunburn um, and it has been permanently pink since then. Um, he might have to deal with that. For the rest of his life, yeah. Um, but at least he didn't have to lose skin. Yeah, and that's what happens severe, with the um, physical therapy. Nothing like that usually right. for second degree, um, which is, I mean, that's good. 
Yeah, and you brought up the Roman Grosjean stuff. Um, when it comes to the adrenaline, adrenaline is such a powerful drug that it helped both of those guys take everything around them, shut off, and just get out. Yeah. And it's astonishing how the human body can do that. Um, so, hell yeah. Um, I've still got Walker joke up. We're, we're past that. Hell yeah. Um, so let me pull that down. Um, last point, and, and I, I told you I was going to ask you this earlier uh, in the episode. Um, this race, as we talked about before the show and while we were prepping for it, was kind of dull other than Jordan's crash. That was the most exciting thing that happened. Um most truck races on super speedways are kind of bland every single year. So my question to you, um, and it kind of leads into your whole truck schedule deal. Um, do we even need trucks to be at super speedways anymore? I think you need one and you need it at Daytona to open the year. Um, that's the only one that I would run. That's the only track I would run. That's over a mile and a half. Um, <clears throat> I wouldn't race them anywhere else. I wouldn't race in Talladega. I wouldn't race them. Any not Fontana. What about New Atlanta? Nope. Okay. Nope. I would only do one Daytona race um, a year because, um, A, it's not like, it's not that common of a, I mean, it's more common now than it used to be, but of a racing style. Um, and I feel like the trucks, you just, you need so, you need, especially when they're young, they need to learn the fundamentals before they learn how to do the fundamentals at 200 miles an hour. Right. Um I think they need to learn to race first and then race fast. Um, but I think one a year is fine to get kind of get their foot in the water for it. Um, but I don't think you would see near as much of complete shit shows if you would have, you know, one, one race a year like that. Yeah. And I think um, earlier you said these, these race, these, uh, these series need their own identities and that's what they're lacking right now. Um, so kind of share your thoughts about what the identity of the truck series should be. Um, I think it should be almost strictly short tracks of, um, kind of what the, like the old Winston West and Winston East series used to do for local tracks, um, amp it up. I think the truck series needs to be just above that level to where it is a national circuit, but it's spread out over months, just short tracks. And then every once in a while you skip and you hit a big track and do a companion race with company Xfinity and then go back out and make another small circuit of short tracks. Um, I think the reason you would need to have one a year is to show that this is one of the top three divisions in NASCAR. Let's right. all race them at Daytona, start their season at the same time. You could even end them all at the same time in Phoenix if you wanted. Yeah. So they're, they brought back, they're bringing back, I should say next year, they're bringing it back the Milwaukee mile. Um, they brought back this year, IRP. Um, and we talked about the spread of the playoffs and stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think that this this truck series needs a playoff, but you've got you've got dirt now. Um, hey, they're listening to me. We got North Wilkesboro back too. You got North Wilkesboro back next year too. I don't know that this is the companion series that they need to have. I think that ARCA is the comp third companion series when Xfinity's not there, and they need for for like a Talladega for for a Pocono stuff like that. Take ARCA, make ARCA more profitable, and have ARCA at the big tracks. I think that's have, a great idea. Have trucks at the short tracks, like you say. I mean, because because I think 
I listened to Mark Mamba and the mayor and Jeff Burton is always talking about how we need to be at short tracks. We need to be at short tracks along the lines with the Xfinity and truck series. Um, he used to race, you know, South Boston Speedway. We've got Hickory, North Wilkesboro, like you said, um, is a good regional market. But there's some tracks that we used to go to when we first started there. You know, I mean, obviously, like Walt Disney World Speedway is not there. But for you, Colorado National and Pikes Peak, having two around the Colorado Wyoming area, that's going to bring you out to the racetrack. You're probably going to bring friends out to the racetrack. And they're like, hey, NASCAR is fucking cool. And they're going to start watching it on Sundays. So I think why aren't we going to Iowa anymore? Colorado National, PPIR, Tucson, Arizona, um, Irwindale, Kern County, um, all these tracks. Because if we were doing that and we could go out with the Cup Series, but we got somebody coming on a Wednesday or Thursday night, they might buy a ticket on Sunday. Mm -hmm. like, okay. Okay, NASCAR is pretty cool. Um, yeah, let's go to the cup race on Sunday. It, it's it's only 20 miles that way, you know, or right now to, to Auto Club. Um, you got the bull ring at Las Vegas. And they can still run the big tracks like Las Vegas, like, uh, well, not Atlanta anymore, like Kansas, Homestead. But if you do those four times a year, five times a year, you got five mile and a half and, you know, 20 short tracks and one race at Daytona. Yeah. Beautiful. Great season. Yeah. Yeah. And dirt tracks now, Williams Grove, uh, Doquin or Doquin, however you say it, in Indiana, um, yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, That's exactly. Good. There's a million different uh, apps we could go to do it. Yeah, and uh, I know you guys know that my dad's uh, kind of embedded in the Xfinity garage, but he is a friend of also Jordan Anderson's. Oops. Um, uh, he says the budget they spend for a super speedway race constitutes as two races for trucks with equipment and development. Um, trucks also are not on a carbon fiber body. They have fabricators. They shape bodies. They spend more money on, on fabrication than the other two series. <coughs> Hanging bodies isn't cheap and, Manipulating yeah. bodies for different racing styles is not cheap. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's just too much money, and it would it, a revamp of the truck series would really do it some justice. Uh, moving on, though, uh, later on Saturday was the Xfinity series. Um, we talked about it earlier in the show, and that's no more Fall Dega um, going forward. So. Before we get into the actual Xfinity race, um, how do you feel about them going to Chicago Street Course over Talladega um, in 2023? So, <clears throat> I don't know. It's it's really going to depend on this next year of how that Chicago Street Course races. Um, I don't think it's going to be very good. I all in all. Sorry, she popped in here. Um, but I don't know. I mean, to be fair, Xfinity Fall Dega is still new to me. Um, yeah. We haven't been doing it all that long. So I, it's not really an embedded tradition <clears throat> for me. Um, but, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of either one of those fucking places, to be honest with you. Well. Um, in terms of overall racing, I'd much rather see him go somewhere else. So I think one of two things um, for myself that is, obviously, 
Xfinity at Talladega is going to cost more money than the street course. <laughs> is is up until 2020 the road course um, racing series of the three that was basically its identity. Um, of course, it's straight a little bit from that because we've got so many a cup now. Um, but it's disappointing to me because of two points. One, Road America um, lost, basically lost that weekend too. Now, is Road America on the Xfinity schedule next year? I think it's not on the Xfinity schedule at all. And they've been there for what, eight years now? Yeah, almost 10. Um, wow. That That's a slap in the face to Wisconsin fans. I know they're getting the truck series with the Milwaukee Wild, but that is an absolute slap in the face to, to come out 100,000 plus two years in a row lose a cup date, and lose their traditional Xfinity date. I think it's a slap right. in the face. Um, and then secondly, the Chicago street course. Oh, hang on here. Is... No, they just were in America. Saturday, okay. July 29th. Yeah. Okay, so they moved it? Okay, They moved it to the end. Okay, yeah. so I was under the impression that, that they also lost their date because of that. Yeah, moved no, the Chicago I wasn't. Street course. So uh, whatever. I mean, still. A they lost one. the cup day. Like, yeah, it's just. Which, to be fair, of all the the tracks that they added, uh, the road course type, Road America is probably my favorite. I really yeah. wish they had Middle Ohio as a cup track. Yeah, um, but they but they, they, they floundered it. Yeah, yeah, Road like America it. is definitely tough. But what is the Chicago Street Course doing? Right, it's new. It's bringing us to a new market. It's bringing us to a new track type. They're talking about having electrification. And, and having some cars doing electric races next year. Perfect um, spot to have these cars come off. If they're gonna do if they're gonna do an exhibition at the Clash, do an exhibition at the Chicago Street Course. It's a yeah. perfect place to do it. Um, so that's my two reasons why I think this is a bad idea. Um, let's let's get your thoughts about the Xfinity race overall, uh, and then I'll go on to some sub points there. Okay. So, I mean, like, you just want me to start overall thoughts? Yeah, just overall. I mean, it really wasn't that exciting of a race. It was actually very clean for what I thought a playoff race at Talladega would be for the Xfinity cars. Um, I mean, not a ton of major news stories out of there. Um, your usual runners up front, Noah Gregson, um, Brandon Jones, there was kind of a late block between uh, <clears throat> Noah Gregson and I think A.J. Allmendinger. Um but other than that, I mean, it was really kind of a quiet race. It went by super quick. Um, yeah. 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 I mean, it was, a, I would say, I would call this procedural. Um, not a good race. Yeah. Uh, well, not, well, it was a good race because it wasn't ridiculous. It was, it was a, yeah, exactly. A shit show. It wasn't um, embarrassing. But it wasn't a great race. But it also yeah. wasn't. This is like a filler episode in the series that is NASCAR. Yeah, exactly. That's a very perfect way to put it. Um, and I want to say that um, it was a little bit unexpected uh, that it yeah. was going to be like that because it was a playoff race. Um, and I kind of figured with Noah Gregson dominating so much that the, the field would be hungry because, um, like, you win four or five races in a row – you're like, damn! I gotta beat this guy. What better and easier place to do it 
than Talladega. Talladega, yeah. Yeah. So I think um, my only thing is one thing that the Xfinity Series lacks, and, you know, I talked about it with the trucks. The trucks really can't do anything. They can't really pass, and that's why I don't really like Super Speedway racing for the trucks. Um, the Xfinity racing has been a little bit light since they went through that rounded uh, spoiler in the back um, for these plate races. I think they need to change the arrow a little bit to have a little bit more movement and allow drivers to push. Because if they can't push with a flat edge, they're not going to be able to push a cup with a round edge. So yeah. uh, that's all. That's all I really have to say about Xfinity. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was just like you said, a filler episode of NASCAR. However, let's go to Cup. Um, this race was clean. Um, yeah. This race was really clean, um, just like the Xfinity race. Um, but I guess before I get into my points, what, what, what? Overall, other than it just being a clean race, how did you perceive it? I would not be surprised that a couple of the drivers got together with everyone beforehand. Um, whether earlier last week or before the race sometime during the race weekend and said, look, we all had the same issues with safety. We were all thinking it all going into Talladega. Um, we are not going to risk anything. Like if you do some dumb shit, like we will fucking like, we'll beat your ass. I don't know what was said. I feel like okay. something was said between the drivers though, because that was an abnormally clean Talladega race, especially for being playoffs, especially with how chaotic the spring was. Um, especially with how chaotic Daytona was, this was abnormally calm. Right. Okay. So a couple points I can rebound off of. Um, I guess firstly, um, let me talk about what you said. Basically the drivers, somebody, somebody led a come to Jesus meeting. I'm sure. I feel like there was a consensus. Yeah. I don't know who it would be, um, that, that, that started it, but it feels like, with the safety and everything this year that somebody did what Rusty Wallace did. And I want to say 1992, maybe 93 speed weeks, 94 um, stood up in front of all the drivers said, you guys are all being dipshits. You're going to get somebody killed. We've had people killed. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think you're right in that that happened. And I think that's a bonus. Um, however, I do want to say I was surprised because it seemed like, Maybe because of the aggression in the earlier um, races where they were tearing up equipment, there wasn't as many cars on track. It seemed like the package was this race out of all six, ew, that's hard to say, uh, speedway races this year provided the best racing. Um, yeah, so this racing <clears throat> is what we saw this weekend was similar to what I remember Talladega being like in like 2004, 2005, where you could pass, you could generate runs, but it wasn't crazy monumental runs you were yeah, getting. It wasn't, it wasn't late Gen 6 runs, yeah. It was more pack racing where you had to manipulate a pack and not just mash it down and smash the guy in front of you. Um, yeah. You know, granted, there still was a lot of pushing, um, but it was more racy than it was video gamey. Yeah, I, and I saw Denny Hammond after the race. He said something like, he was disappointed because they couldn't go three wide, and he he didn't feel as racy. But um, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Denny. Um, it looked, it looked really racy. Um, too bad you can't go three wide, right? Um, like I'm sure at some point you will go three wide with these cars because they'll get more and more comfortable with it overall. 
I think the package could probably use a tweak or two to help that happen. However, I think what we got on Sunday, if we can continue with the super speedways next year, is probably, dare I say it, the best pack racing that we've ever had. Because I said that about the wildness of the last Gen 6 era, right? But they were run. That was because it was it was too good of runs, and yes. it was really more unfair because of that. And I want to bounce off your point about saying that it's it's um it's like uh, early early uh, plate racing in the Gen Four era. I disagree. I really? think that these cars were more racy than they were back then. I think I think a lot of people look at I'm that. comparing it to like the Gen Six. So okay. compared to what we're used to, yeah, this was closer to, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I definitely agree with you there, yeah. Yeah, I think when people look back at, like, the Gen 4 stuff, because they're saying that a lot of fans on Twitter, Reddit and stuff, saying this is, like, what we used to see what, when we were kids or whatever. I don't feel like that. I feel like that feel like racing this, better. this that racing was more follow the leader, more more so like the early Gen 6 and that at the, the leader was not going to get passed. Um, and you couldn't do that. This, you could do all that. Um, and I am a tandem stand. I will be to the day I die. But this race provided a pack race with tandem numbers. Um, the last tandem race um, that we saw at Talladega was 58 lead changes. And that was the worst of the five, six, six. Worst of the six races that we saw with tandem racing, 58 lead changes at the line. The most was 88. That was also at Talladega. Um, the worst was 58. This package saw 58 lead changes at the line. Um, that's not something that I thought we would see in a pack race, and it gave it to us. Um, and I think that's phenomenal. Um, so um, I might, if this continues, have an, a, a new appreciation for pack racing. And I hate pack racing. Yeah, but this is good. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I agree completely. I think um, this is so, better than what we saw with the Gen Fours, but not like you said. It, the Gen Six was almost too good, and it was almost—I don't want to say like you know predictable, but you knew that if someone was going to get a run, there was no blocking it. It was like Mario Kart. Okay, yeah. So if you've yeah, ever yeah. played Mario Kart, um, it changes based on difficulty, fifty CC to one hundred fifty CC. But they do what they call rubber banding, so. If you are in the back on 50cc, especially, um, and you lose like half a lap for whatever reason, you're going to be faster than the people in the middle of the pack, and you're going to get more of the um, the luck, the good items, the yeah. the good items, right? You're going to get bullet bill, you're going to get the blue shell, you're going to get red right. shells, this this not the shitty items like the guys up front who are going to get the you know the the inky squid thing and the bananas stuff like right. that i feel like late gen 6 was racing a mario kart race because the guys in the back always had the better item and that item was a massive hole in the air from the guys up front who had the banana peels and that's all they could do was try and maneuver into you and they usually didn't have enough reaction time because you were rubber banding and slingshotting past them and they do that same thing so it was like a 50 cc mario kart race it was like rubber banding AI. Um, and it was entertaining because there was a lot of passing, but it wasn't really good racing. Yeah. Um, and that's 
that's something that we always talk about here, entertainment versus racing. Um, I think this racing was not only entertainment, it was what I would prefer yeah. as racing on a speedway where we can't go um, unlimited horsepower because I would do 260 mile an hour. Um, I mean, that, that was, that was beautiful. Um, one of the best races I've ever seen. Um, it pissed me off that we got that caution at the end. I told you about that earlier. Mm -hmm. I was wrong, but I think this race is going to always be tainted by the fact that we didn't get a green flag finish because what Chase Elliott did was somehow have more momentum than the rest of the pack because we didn't get a long finish. And that was one thing that I, I irked about on Twitter. And I wanted to ask you if you thought I was right that um, the green-white checkered at a super speedway is not effective because I believe you cannot build enough momentum to create a good race to the finish. Yeah, I would I would agree. It needs to be at least three laps for a restart, a final restart at a super speedway. Um, granted, they are fucking huge, and it takes forever to do a lap around there, but I feel like if you're going to promote that kind of racing, you better play into it a little bit yeah. and say only these tracks because – it does take him a lap to get up to speed, you know, because they can't really pass until this point. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what Chase Elliott would, I guess the best thing I could say, Chase Elliott won that race because he launched first. Like he was driving a fucking NHRA dragster. Yeah. Like he got the best launch out of anyone. So that's why he won. So I don't, I don't like the way that it ended. Yeah, I hate Chase Elliott, whatever. You can say that I'm, I'm biased because Chase Elliott won. But if if someone else won in that same way, I still would have been mad because we had a green-white checkered. Like, right. I don't know. I'm, I, I, I told you guys in our group chat that I think I've out-matured green-white checkered finishes. I would have rather just ended under caution. I would say if they're going to go gimmicky, do it. Do every mandatory overtime finish five laps. Okay. Yeah. And five call laps. It, call it yeah. two to go is where you make the cut. You know, at two to go, if any flag flies, we're calling it. Yeah. And just call it there because if you're already on overtime at that point, what the fuck does it matter? Yeah. Just extend. Basically, you're doubling it like you, you would at another track. I think that's right. a good compromise because you can see at other racetracks, you can, you can get a run within the first half a lap. If you have a shitty launch, you can still come back to win. We've seen last lap passes. We've seen whatever, especially at like a road course or uh, or uh, a mile and a half or whatever. But there was no momentum in that pack. Once Chase got out front, nobody could do anything. No one could do anything, yeah. Because by that point, the back was just now starting to generate a little bit. Right. We hadn't gone anywhere with it yet. Yeah. But the energy all day was super massive, and people could make moves if they wanted to. Um, and that leads me to um, just talking about the race. We had one caution. I'm not counting Daniel Hamrick as a caution because whatever. We only had one caution with a stack. We had up one with natural the, racing incident right. caution. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel about that? Because, like we said with the Xfinity race, this was a playoff race. We were expecting chaos. Um, I mean, I think it is very ironic that. Of the last non-caution finishes in NASCAR, and especially after this last weekend in Talladega, where we just had one, um, that they all come at these big tracks that we think are just complete wreck fests 
I think it has a nice way of surprising us every once in a while. Yeah. Say that, look, it's not the racetrack that's shitty. It's the drivers that are doing this. You know, yeah. That are caught making them into huge wreck fests where only 10 no-name guys win or finish. Um, yeah. I mean, I just, I think it's interesting. You know, I think it's absolutely nuts that we were all expecting one thing and got 180 yeah. different. Now, um, I thought it was refreshing. I thought it was great racing. We already talked about that. Um, but there was a bunch of people that were a little bit mad, said the race was boring. Obviously, they don't like racing. They like wrecking. Um, do, would you agree that anyone that said that, um, that said that, that they just don't don't like racing? Yeah. I mean, the it, had there not been a finish at the end of the race, I would have called this one of my top five races of the year because it was so racy. Um, and, I mean, your dad does have a, a good point here. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, I really love this race even after Chase Elliott won it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, one of the best races of the year by far, and it's a speedway race, and you won't – I mean, you don't hear me say that often. You guys know my disdain with speedway racing. Um, but yeah, um, my dad brings up that it's the middle race changes and it changes the dynamics. Get points. Who cares about that win for a win? Um, we talked about that a couple of shows ago. I think it was when uh, JKL was on. We talked about that and we described the difference with with having it as a wild card and whatnot. But um. Also, it seemed like they were really aggressive, but they were cautiously aggressive, and I think that led mm. to the, the clean. They were smart about their moves. It's like they were actually playing this high-speed game of checkers that we advertise rather than rock'em, right. sock'em robots. I think that's what led to us having a good race. Um, and as we come to our closing topic, I have to say, with us only having one natural caution, um, one situational caution, we would have – we have – Four caution flags during this race. I am going to 100% question why we have stage breaks yet again. We did not see massive wrecks at the end of the stages, but we saw pretty good finishes to both ends of the stages. My, Why did we have to stop the action if it was so good all day is my question. Um, so I guess my point is, what is the point of stage breaks? at Talladega and then I'll get into strategy and stuff after you make your first uh... um well there is no point to them other than to re-rack them to try to get some sort of crazy ass wreck um because Talladega and Daytona are the two tracks all well, now Atlanta where you don't need a restart to keep everyone bunched up so there is right. no reason to have the stage breaks unless the field gets completely strewn out which in that case NASCAR will just throw a phantom debris caution um, right you know, and bring them all back in. Right. Um, and what do we see? Let's see. It was 19, it was 1992, I believe. I don't remember if it was spring or fall race, but it went caution free. Fastest race on record. Mark Martin won. Um, 2001 fall race. Bobby Hamilton won that race. Caution free. Both of those amazing ass races. Um, they saw a bunch of tire strategy and stuff, which we don't see at super speedways anymore. They saw green flag pit stops, which we did see, but um, there was not really strategy involved in that. Um, I think, like, I think there's no need for it 
um, just based off the fact that we know that when there's a caution-free race, they are good. Uh, and that's basically what you just said, because you don't have to re-rack them to make these things happen. Right. Um, we had three stages of the exact same length. Woohoo, you had eight laps in, in the third stage. These teams split these damn things right down the middle, except for the last stage, but they still all pitted within two laps of each other. We got green flag pit stops, but we didn't see any strategy. And what the green flag pit stops did show us is that the packs are going to go right back to being upon each other in this package. So my right. question to you, um, as as many fans as there are old school like us who want strategy and pit stops, like what, what to what to me and you and to all the fans like us, old fashioned fans, what did the stages add? this race in particular other than just a fucking pee break uh i mean it adds i would like i like the stage points and i've said that several times i like the fact that they give out the stage points because it does increase aggression because we did see a little bit of aggression increase at the end of stage one and stage two um but the cautions don't do shit like you could get that same aggression and then watch as the guys try to fight to get back in line because they realize now all right, all the points are earned. They're given out. Now we got to figure out how to get to stage two from here. And we got to figure out how to make our strategy work. Um, you would see differing strategies of it would be a bigger swing between the guys trying to go get stage points and the guys trying to make a long race yeah. of fuel. Um, <clears throat> it would open up a Pandora's box for strategy racing if yeah. they took away the stage cautions. I'm glad that you brought that up. Firstly, because we've said that before about other racetracks, especially road courses, this would benefit. But it would also it would benefit with the fact that this this car is so good at racing on um, intermediates. Yeah. Uh, Darlington and above would be beneficial. Once they fix the short track um, package, it'll fix that too. Um, but for this race. The biggest point that I can make about strategy was the 2016 Dega fall race. Um, we saw, I think that was that was the last race that was a cutoff race before they went and made it to the center of the round. We saw four different strategies going on in that race, and it was caution-free from, I believe, lap 45 until NASCAR threw a bullshit caution with 12 or 13 to go. And we saw the SHR cars out front doing their thing um, like they did for that that late era Gen 6. We saw three of the four guys at JGR, not named Denny Hamlin, sitting in the back, just making sure they're not getting in chaos. Um, and they were in a group of half the cars that were on a separate strategy from the SHR cars, and they were all racing each other. And then you had one little dude um, who's out there, name of Greg Biffle, who was a half a lap behind everyone on a different pit strategy in a group of cars. I don't remember who they were, but there are no name drivers, uh, uh, front row motorsports and the like. There's five guys. He's on the back of that train, um, slowly moves his way up to the front of that train after going a lap down because he had a flat tire or, or something had happened during that long hundred plus lap green flag run. And with, like 35 or uh, 25 laps to go, the field comes in. He's half a lap ahead of that that train, and they were not catching him because they weren't 
formed up because they were all racing for second on back. They thought they were, I guess, racing for the lead. And until we got that caution, when I think it was 15 or so to go, Greg Biffle was going to win that race on tire, on pitch strategy, a half a lap ahead of the other guys. What in the hell? We could have had that Sunday and we got a watered down version of it because we just had to throw arbitrary caution flags. Yeah. So. I'm yeah, sorry. Exactly. I, I stand that race. It was one of the best Talladega races. It was it was the most emotional day um, for me as a NASCAR fan in the stands because Denny had his roof flap issue that mm. that the beginning of that race, and um, he was racing Austin Dillon for the last spot in. That was before the playoff points carried over, so it was second round. Um, and I didn't know if he was in, and they weren't showing the points on the screen, and they weren't saying anything. So for like 20 minutes after that, I'm literally rocking back and forth, shaking <laughs> because I didn't know that Denny was in, and like I just burst out into a massive emotion um, once they said he was in. But yeah, um, I think the 2016 Fall Dega race, go give it a watch, is a perfect reason why we shouldn't have stage cautions at Super Speedways um, at the very least. All right, Colton, uh, we got everything out a little bit over our hour and a half mark. Uh, do you have anything else to say uh, about anything NASCAR-wise? No, I'm uh, I'm pretty set and chilling. Um, I'm excited for the Roval this next weekend. Um, I really do um, like the Roval as far as all the road courses and shit that we go to. It is one of my favorites because I do feel like it puts on a fairly good, um, entertaining show. I don't say – quite yet it's amazing racing but it is fairly entertaining and it does a job um so i do like the roval i'm excited to see what kind of drama the uh cutoff of the playoffs round two has to um <clears throat> what kind of energy that brings to the racetrack as far as the drivers are concerned uh, yeah i mean it'll just be cool yeah. Hopefully, I, i'm looking forward to it um i was not planning on going but um some things fell through the cracks, um, and I may or may not have lucked out on some tickets um, in a in a uh, in a way. If you catch my drift, uh, I hope that uh, none of my friends from SMI are watching right now. <laughs> so um, so uh, we'll be there on Sunday only. Uh, we looked up and, and found some really cheap tickets. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to my first road course race for NASCAR, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and it's a it's a playoff cutoff race, so looking forward to that. Road course has not been that great this year, if we're being honest with the new car, because um, it's more suited for it. So hopefully the road will just pulls out its back pocket, and says, "Nah, this is this is this is a NASCAR's wild card race." Uh, yeah. So hopefully it's good. Other than that, uh, you'll see Colton next week, um, and we should have uh, hopefully Nathan on next week. Uh, we had some stuff come up. Nathan um, obviously was affected by the hurricane last week, so uh, that's why you didn't see us. And that Jimmy Johnson show, I think he said he was going to be on uh, the week of the 21st um, or maybe the 12th. I'm not sure, uh, but we will be doing the Jimmy Johnson appreciation show when he comes back. Check us out on uh, – or follow us and like us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, Nathan's been putting out some really good content over there on Instagram, at FanFuelMSM, capital F, capital F, capital MSM. Uh, and uh, 
my dad said he will volunteer next week if needed. So uh, you'll have a show next week uh, if push comes to shove and we don't get anybody on. Um, but uh, come check us out next week. Uh, we'll see you next week. And all right. Uh, well, you know, uh, before we go, I had made um, I made an intro and an outro music. Um, so uh, I was going to play the outro and I forgot to. So um, <clears throat> just imagine that the intro songs uh, continuing and you're hearing rock as we go off. And I'll, I'll make sure we do better next week. But uh, other than that, all right, guys, we'll see you then. Uh, bye.